Welcome to Creative Innovators with Gigi Johnson. Oftentimes we have guests who jump between sectors that are doing one thing and then run to another and then shift to a third and keep this in balance possibly at the same time. Today we're joined by the multi-talented Mark Breimer, who has done the same but different, that he has added interesting additional businesses to his creative buckets, but he's kept them going for decades. Mark has a wealth of experience in creating choral pieces with Hal Leonard and has more than 400,000 songs that he's turned into creative pieces for schools around the world. Uh, But you'll also hear his stories of how he became a theme park extravaganza producer and for decades now has produced wonderful live shows for, for Six Flags and for other partners, including Dolly Parton. So enjoy Mark's story about how he's very much of a creative maestro, building between spaces in show production, choral arranging, and, and really thinking about how to create great, joyful live experiences. Just a quick note, though, as we get to the end of the conversation, you'll notice a little bit of wonkiness in the audio as we were battling an air conditioner that came on and we didn't want to stop the story. So enjoy this conversation with Mark and be a bit patient on the audio. I'm I'm glad to be catching Mark in Texas, but Mark, you said that you have offices and or you have creative spaces in two other places. Yes, uh, my creative team, I mainly draw from New York City, and um, I will usually meet up there in uh, Ken Billington's office. He has a wonderful office right on in the theater district. And then I also do all my recording in Los Angeles. Uh, typically, there's, you know, East, West, uh, United. There's some various studios on Sunset Boulevard. They're just classic, great studios that I, um, I record there. So I love pin- United Space. This is such a great space. It, it really is. It's just wonderful. And uh, these are just classic studios that Frank Sinatra recorded it in, the Mamas and Papas, um, all sorts of you know, vintage, great TV themes were done there. And I, I, you know, I want to work with the best people and on all my projects. And that's where I can find them and record them. So we're finding you in the realm of what current adventures, Mark? What are you currently up to? Well, I've just opened uh, three different Christmas shows out at uh, Six Flags Over Texas in Arlington, Texas. And that's ending my journey this year. I've actually uh, produced and written 10 different shows for that theme park this year. Uh, So it's been quite a a busy year. Um, I also have a couple of shows uh, running down at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas, a long-running Majesty of Christmas and uh, Looney Tunes Christmas. And then, of course, I've got uh, Christmas shows running in... uh, Branson and Pigeon Forge and Myrtle Beach with uh, Dolly Parton's, both her Stampede and Pirate's Voyage shows. So a lot of people probably have been to your shows, didn't know they were your shows and thought, I wonder how in the world this happens. I mean, I I think of that a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) That they go to it or they wonder. Yeah. 
Well, hopefully they want, uh, you know, both, you know, they, they go to, and I mean, really what it's, it's about is if I can help, you know, produce a wonderful time for them and their family, hopefully enjoying the show, uh, then I've done my job. I grew up in Southern California. So for me, a similar metaphor was I worked at Disneyland for a couple of years and there was so much creative production. I was instead a ride operator, not a fab, fabulous performer there. But okay. you get that, it, it, people uh, you know, see that as such of the background of their lives. I'm really excited about talking about how you've ended up in this and the many other things that you've done. Now, okay. where did you grow up? Did you grow up in Texas? Uh, no, my both my parents are native Texans. So I would, uh, we I grew up more in, in St. Louis, uh, Missouri. And, but we spent a lot of time in Texas um, uh, what got me down here, there was a great music school on, uh, North Texas, uh, UNT, uh, up in Denton. And that got me to this area and I started getting, you know, work immediately and I've stayed here. Um, my first, actually my first job was with Six Flags in the, what they called Six Flags Mid-America at the time. I think it's just called Six Flags St. Louis now. But that was one of my first uh, work experiences and really in entertainment uh, was uh, I got a, a job with the crew uh, on one of the shows. And then I accompanied, I was a piano accompanist for two of the different shows and did their audition tour and a couple of different things. So that just kept growing, which gave I'm me gonna a I'm going to back you start. up even further. So oh, growing goodness, up then okay. in St. Louis... Were your parents creative? Were they performers? Were they? Um, you know, my dad was not, uh, but my mom actually taught uh, the speech and drama. And so growing up, uh, my sister and I would always, you know, right after school, <laughs> we would go to uh, play rehearsal and our musical rehearsal. And I watched a lot of rehearsals as a kid, you know, and I, you know, I feel that that, uh, has, you know, is in me. It's, it's registered ever since. And so a lot of things I, th- I think come naturally to me or, uh, it, it makes sense, but really, I think I, I've just always been around, uh, theater production for my whole life. Well, and had parents that were supportive because some people have the journey story that they love being creative, but mom and dad said, you must be an engineer. You must be a lawyer. You must be a, and didn't well, get the creative journey. Yeah, I did have that a little bit, you know, because I'm sure my parents were, you know, well, how are you going to make a living? And, uh, but they were very supportive in, with piano lessons. And uh, I had a great high school experience. There was a lot of, I could take music theory in high school. And um, so I got a great training ground. And then, and I started really getting work as a a pianist, uh, really when I was still in high school. So, you know, my parents couldn't say a lot because I was actually making money, you know, (laughs) so. (laughs) It wasn't um, just a hobby. It wasn't a hobby. So I did major in music uh, in in college and I I switched around a couple of different ways. I, I just, once I discovered writing and arranging, I thought, well, this is something I can spend long periods of time doing. And that's what became my focus. That's what got me down to uh, UNT to study and uh, led to my career. And that's continuing to be a bit rare for kids to realize that they can compose or even have music theory in high school. 
that oftentimes mm-hmm. that's not even part of the mix, which is one yeah. of my big bugaboos with, with, with all the wonderful things that happen in high school music. But oftentimes that they both skip theory and they skip learning how to write in their own voice and their own music. Yeah. And uh, I, it was just a good time. You know, it was before there were so many stringent uh, core educational demands. And so, I, yeah, I took music theory and jazz theory. There was a, a great orchestra in my high school that I uh, got to do some piano solos with. Uh, I also learned cello. And uh, so, yeah, it was just a, a well-rounded education with high school. And then I took uh, two sets of private lessons. One was classical piano, one was jazz piano. Uh, so, uh, you know, I just had a great training ground. And that de- definitely gave me a head start um, on, but you know, as I got into college. before you ended up at the theme park world, what did you think you were going to do with it? I didn't know for sure. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I just, I knew that this was, uh, music came very quickly to me. And uh, it's something I really enjoyed. And so... I I don't know. I kept pursuing it. I really didn't even discover writing and arranging until I was in college. And, you know, but once I did, it's like, because well, I was advanced enough with piano to, um, that my teacher said, you need to spend four to five hours a day practicing or you're really not going to get much better because you're you're at this level. And that was very hard for me. But then once I started arranging and writing out arrangements, I thought, oh, you know, I could do this four, six, eight hours a day. That would not bother me. And so I just went after it. You know, I, I knew what level I had to uh, work at. And uh, and then certainly transferring to UNT, really, you know, I was with some phenomenal students there and from around the world. And that gave me the um, incentive and the drive to, you know, be as excellent as I could be. So how did you end up, you mentioned earlier that you ended up then doing, heading into the theme park world. How did that step happen? Well, what happened was I, uh, at the first college, uh, I went three years to a a Millican university. That's a small private school in in the middle of Illinois. And (laughs) I, I made a deal with four great singers there. I said, look, I'll, I'll do all the arranging if you all agree to rehearse. And we did our own program. Uh, and, you know, we were on own little group. And we performed at Homecoming and different events. And then I actually, we did a recital at the end of the year that I was, uh, I taped that audio and um, presented it to the uh the VP head producer at Six Flags to say, hey, look, I've been writing and arranging and I want you to hear this. And the timing was good. As I transferred down to uh, Denton, I they had an opening at the Six Flags Over Texas show. So uh, for the music director and to write those, uh, it was a, a Southern Palace show and a smaller saloon show. And they offered that opportunity to me uh, really during my senior year of college. Oh, wow. Um, and then the following year, it, it expanded to four or five parks, and it, it just it, it wow. expanded quickly. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a so big it was a great journey coming right out of college. <laughs> yeah. 
It, it, it was, you know, and in many ways it was hard because I was, you know, I was younger and like, who's this kid? And, uh, you know, it, there were some challenges to it. Uh, but I, you know, you, you've got to take opportunities when they arise. So um, I, I got some great training at uh, UNT quickly and um, just kind of, you know, embraced it and kept getting opportunities. Uh, at the same time, I felt, well, the theme park business is so fluky. You know, you, you have a lot of work <laughs> one year, and then they'll run the same shows over the second year, and you know, you're sitting and around. And hyper-seasonal, too, right? So yes, a big chunk much. of their life is the holidays and summer. Yeah. And um, so I, I got involved with uh, educational publishing. So what that is is choral arranging for uh, – is print publishing, and they uh, I work with a company called Hal Leonard Print Publishers. They're the world's largest publisher out of Milwaukee, and I started getting opportunities to arrange for them, and I've done that ever since. Um, and you know, you don't make a ton of money on one arrangement, but you it's like developing your catalog. And so I now have like about thirty six hundred choral products in print and available, and sell. Um, probably around uh, half a million copies of music a year around the world. Wow. So, so that's been a, and they're, know, a and nice they're steady almost, income. I was going to say they're almost evergreen. I mean, I'm assuming that some pop yeah. because there's popular songs going on, but it's really having in this world of non evergreen music an evergreen catalog. Oh, most definitely. And uh, it's interesting. You know, my best selling uh, choral is uh, Bohemian Rhapsody that I actually arranged, I think in 1996, uh, when it came out in Wayne's World, you know, at first. And it has continued, I think I'm well over 400,000 copies. I mean, it just sells wow. 20 or 30,000 copies a year. Uh, and yeah, so there are some definitely evergreen titles. And that's what you, as an arranger, you look for, and if you can freshen them up. And uh, so, so, yeah, and Hal Leonard is great. I mean, they have... I have access to all the Disney titles, um, so I mean that's tremendous. I really every title except anything from Warner Brothers. It's EMI, all Joe Beat, Sony. Uh, it's a tremendous amount of uh, music I have access to. To wow. arrange. Wow. So so that is just a lovely part of each year, or that's something that blossomed and you're letting kind of. Mature while no, you do other I, adventures, I, I, or I continue to uh, do about fifteen to twenty arrangements a year. So you keep uh, uh, supplying the catalog, and it'll vary depending on like this year will probably be a little bit less because I I had so much writing to do uh, with Six Flags, but then next year I'll, I'll bump back up, and it's uh, you know, and then teachers know who. Uh, what I do, and they hopefully look for my name, or dealers do, and I'm very conscious of things like voice leading, and uh, I want my arrangements to be make your, you know, the the choir sound great. And if it doesn't, that's my that's my fault. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I know what voice leading is, but our audience may not all know what voice leading is. So I just sat well, through it, a composition class last week where they're trying to explain voice leading. To a bunch of students, oh. I was kind of laughing. Voice leading, how would you? Yeah. Well, yeah, voice leading is, uh, it, it makes it easier for singers to sing. 
Okay, so um, instead of having a part da ah uh, eh, oh, you, you know that's that's harder <laughs> to, to sing. But da 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 da. You know, you, so you you make it as melodic as you can, the harmony parts. While you so you're still trying to achieve great harmonies, but make it as singable as possible, and then so that the poor altos to, and tenors aren't stranded someplace and. Cursing you out in the middle of rehearsal. Yeah. Well, and, you know, poor altos, they're the ones who kind of always get that fourth extra note. And there's, but you, you count on them being great musicians. So, uh, and you, and patient, <laughs> and you throw them a melody every so often. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you have a lovely interweaving of adventures. And, and for a lot of our guests, they kind of, bounce and you've threaded i mean in many ways you've got a beautiful long run of doing sort of iterative adventures that have continued mm -hmm. um you've been how long have you been with hal leonard now well uh almost 40 years <laughs> yeah i know but, i mean that's yeah. such a long relationship in this space yeah it is, you know, and a lot of times uh, I I tell uh, you know young people is the importance of being helpful to everybody along the way, uh, because years ago I I just had started arranging for Hal Leonard, and I had one of my instructors say, "Oh, I have a, I've got this grad student, uh, and he needs some extra work, and I, th I think he's really excellent," and so I. I brought him on. He 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 helped fill in some score. You know, that's back when we still worked in pencil, and he helped fill in some scores and taught some vocals for me at my at my theme park shows. And um, and then today he is actually the president of Hal Leonard and has oh, been for wow. the past ten years. Yeah, <laughs> got a gentleman named Larry Morton, and uh, yeah. So you, you know, you never know people you help out along the way, what, what their careers will do. And, you know, there've been times that's, that's been helpful that Larry and I go way back and, uh, he was, you know, come time for a contract. You know, I mean, that's a helpful thing to have, uh, given work to the, the company president. So, <laughs> so how has your work expanded and changed in this time? So you come into, it used to have to do, of course, you know, pencil and 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 yeah. and staff lines. So um, you're now living in Sibelius. You're you're actually Finale Finale Software. Finale. and mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, they're they're com a competitor, but the publishers or the typesetters prefer Finale. And yeah, so I've been with on Finale since uh, 1996, 97, and you know haven't stopped. And that's so you get you know very uh, fast at that. And, but I, I think for me in my career, what's expanded is I think back, there was a time I was just doing, creating music soundtracks uh, for theatrical shows or theme park shows. And uh, in Warner Brothers bought the Six Flags uh, parks. And at that time, they said, well, we uh, only want to deal with turnkey producers, outside show producers. So they disbanded the internal Six Flags show production group, uh, oh, who wow. I worked for. 
you know, right. and I thought, well, gosh, what am I going to do? And I thought, well, maybe I should become an uh, independent turnkey producer. <laughs> so, so um, take me out. Let me start my own company. Yeah. So I thought, well, let me just, you know, but it was kind of because I wanted to keep working and you just like, okay, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And so sure enough, I got an opportunity to produce one show the following summer. And then that really took off. Uh, that's when I, I formed Wow Entertainment and that's launched me into the show production business. And so that, that really changed uh, the orientation of, um, my business at that point. So, so you have gone from being a uh, employee to sole proprietor to now having full-time and part-time staff to make all of these things happen. You started out telling us how many different shows you launched this year. Um, yes. Um, that's exactly right. I have some full-time and then some part-time. I have a network of creative uh, vendors from costumers, lighting designers, um, musicians uh, that I hire as needed. So it, 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 it operates a lot like an advertising agency. You bulk up when you've got the accounts. When you lose an account, you, you hunker down. And uh, so, yeah, it, um, it's, it's very similar to that. So, so there is a, a so, lot of elements of running a business. You know, you, you've got to be aware of the bottom line and uh, projections, what, you know, what kind of money you need to keep going and, and you've had to pick up new skills, right? So you you were doing theater, the, more full theater, and then you went into piano and, and music composition, but now are putting on whole shows. So what other hats did you have to learn to put on, and what might have been some tripwires you might have tripped on as you were learning to build even more capacity? Well, uh, I would say... Uh... I mean, there, there have been a lot, uh, you know, I, you know, working with contracts and understanding contracts and what they, they really mean and what, you know, certain clauses and things you need to ask for, uh, accounting certainly of, um, you, you not only want to project what your income is going to be on a project, uh, but then you have to keep accounting along the way to make sure that you, you meet, you met your projection. So, and they're a little bit, you know, those are boring things, uh, but you, you got to do it to stay in business. And because a lot of times the shows I produce, it's, um, you know, a particular park or uh, facility will say, tell us, we want this show. Yes. Tell us what it's going to cost. And then that's the money you you're under contract to do to, you know, deliver this show for that amount of money. And so if you don't do your job correctly, you don't make that amount of money. <laughs> you, uh, you know, so, so that, but that's okay. You know, my dad was an accountant and, um, I, you know, I, I've had good friends who've gotten MBAs that I kind of helped, you know, so I, I got around it enough that, uh, I was, uh, you know, able to, to figure those things out. And then, you know, just experience, uh, you know, having done this so long and worked, uh, I've, I've written probably over 150 theme park shows wow. and multiple larger dinner arena attractions and not only uh, produce music, but also like produce those shows that you learn along the way that you, things don't, it's like, you've kind of 
oh, I've been through this before, or I ran into this before. <laughs> and uh, so uh, it's, it's a craft in what you're developing. And the more you do it, the more you develop your craft. And, uh, you know, uh, I work with a gentleman named Ken Billington on my lighting design. And Ken's a, a Tony Award winner. He's you know, lit Chicago uh, and was most recently uh, New York, New York. Uh, that was on Broadway. And he said, you know, at his point in the career, he said, there's nothing really you can throw me that I haven't seen before. And, you know, just, and so all sorts of things, like we were working on a Halloween show and I said, well, what about if we made the floor red? You know, that would, that would be great. And he goes, oh no, it lights horribly. You know, it, like he's actually, done. <laughs> he's, he's, he's lived that out. dream before. He knows yeah, that's a know, problem. It sounds great, but no, that's not going to work. So it's like, okay, you know, you listen to the guy and, uh, and learn from that. Has the technology of what you're expected to do changed? I, I think of, uh, consumers and, and people coming who are used to looking at, let's say, Dancing with the Stars and seeing the, you know, the video floor or are people expecting different things because the tech of everything's changed? Uh, most definitely. And I mean, and you're, you know, with not only how I, I write music, but we how we produce it, uh, you know, combination of um, synthesized instruments along with live instruments. Um now, you know, like when we're in a final tech week or for production of a show, it's uh, we have time code that, you know, so then so the one time code uh, runs the music, but it also runs the video, runs the lighting cues. Um, so it's it's very technical. And uh, but, you know, it, it also enables you to do pretty amazing things visually. Uh, so yeah, so you get, you just, you, you get used to it. You learn along the way. And I've always, uh, took, taken a philosophy of hiring the best people possible, working with the best people around me and versus a lot of times, you know, people can hire their friends or I've worked with so-and-so, but I've been a little more, uh, ruthless in that of just, no, I've got to work with the best people because that's a reflection on me. So, um, uh, and, and it's it's paid off. It's been successful to do work that way. And we started out, we talked about the fact you're in Los Angeles and New York and in Texas, but you come to record in L.A. So so what parts of all of that now fit together? You're recording the pre-recorded elements of your shows or a, you have a, a whole other line of fabulousness that you've got going on? Well, what I do, um, I actually lived in Los Angeles uh, for about five years, uh, but um, went through the Northridge earthquake. <laughs> hey, great time to be in L.A., yeah. The Rodney King riots, and yeah. you know, I think the, the when I left was when O.J. Simpson was going down the highway in the in the white. It was time to go. If he's going to run the Bronco downtown, I got to get out of L.A. Yeah, so, um, but what I... I did learn so much about the entertainment business and, and uh, the importance of um, networking and how to schmooze and all these things. And, and then I always found how the musicians were just so incredible and the singers were so incredible uh, and the best people, uh, you know, accumulate in Los Angeles. And so what I did was I just, I ended up moving back to Dallas and which was much more affordable to run an office and 
I had just picked up a producing job with Six Flags over Texas, so it made sense I was right in their backyard. And but I continued to go to LA. And what's what's happening now, technology wise, is that we'll have pre-production on track. So a lot of times I'm doing a demo that is with electronics and maybe the vocals, you know, as we're building the show, trying it out. And then I'll take those, those sessions, those layouts, and then I bring those to Los Angeles and, you know, now it's on a hard drive and then you record real instruments and real vocals on top of that. Uh, then, um, I will bring it back to, uh, Dallas where I'll have it mixed and, you know, we, we tweak it and fine tune it here. Um, now sometimes if, uh, with technology, it's been nice. I probably, I've been doing this for like the last 10 or 15 years where, uh, if I'm too busy, I might just send my audio engineer out to LA and then we work with a combination of programs that I can actually sit at my desk in Dallas and produce a recording session with the engineer in LA. So that's, that's been a real time saver and money saver. And uh, uh, so I, I have those options that I can do that. And, and really now that's, you know, so many voiceovers and things work that way all around the world. In fact, some of them spurred by the pandemic, by a lot of people having voiceover studios, not just in their closets, but in, uh, in uh, expected to have them in their homes and to be submitting tapes that way. So it's, it's changed the whole, uh, well, that and Netflix wanting translations of so many shows uh, that there's so many little micro recording studios of people doing voiceover work here in LA. So interesting times. Oh, yes, it is. It is. Uh, you know, particularly you see that all over in LA. You know, there's a, isn't that there, there's a realtor that uh, just fo uh, focuses on homes with uh, studios, I think in Los Angeles. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah houses that rock or something like that. I don't know. Oh, that's fun. I like that. So, so did we leave any adventures out? We've covered lots of things with you. What, what have we not mentioned of your adventures? Well, I, I, one of the fun aspects of my adventure has been the opportunity to work with uh, Dolly Parton uh, because she has a series of these dinner arena attractions in Pigeon Forge. And uh, so it's the Dolly Parton's Stampede and the Dolly Parton's uh, Pirate's Voyage. So I've, I've worked off and on with that company. And many times, you know, Dolly will write a new song or will. Um, so we, I get a, an opportunity to work with her in the recording studio, which has just been a tremendous thrill. Uh, sometimes, you know, she has a home in LA, so I'll record her in Los Angeles, you know, she, that, in the, that works out well. And so that, that's been, um, a big thrill. Uh, and, and then I would say the other kind of, uh, exciting thing I've gotten to do, uh, was I actually co-wrote the title song for, uh, Disney's 102 Dalmatians starring Glenn Close. Oh, wonderful. And, and I, you know, I really haven't had that much chance to work with Disney shows, but my first opportunity, believe it or not, was um, the word went out in L.A. that they Disney was looking for a dog song, you know, to so open this movie. And a lot of people were submitting, but I knew somebody, you know, who knew the publisher and she and I co-wrote a song and it followed it all the way through. And it was going to be the end title and they moved it to the opening title credit. And that was 
you know, my first entry into Disney was like driving right onto the film production lot, you know, and uh, interfacing with them. And so that was a real thrill in my career. And, uh, and I haven't worked with Disney since. So it's, <laughs> it was a little, little odd chapter, but I, one I'm very thankful for. Very cool. Where, what do you see heading forward? Um, I mean, you're in a business that is robust in a changing music world um, where you've got great relationships is this a, a expanding space? Or are you going to get into these immersive uh, performance spaces? Or is this just sort of a happy, wonderful level of life? Well, um, I, I would say I'm, you know, I, this year has been tremendous and kind of really helped kickstart me back into uh, show production and, and turnkey producing. And I really, really enjoy it. And I love the team that I've assembled to help me. So I'm really hoping to uh, exploit that even more. Uh, you know, there's a merger happening between Six Flags and Cedar Fair that should go into place in the first of March. And so they're going to combine have 27 parks. Wow. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm making a lot of efforts to reach out to them. And, um, you know, I think things really, until the merger happens, it's hard for anybody to commit. But I, I'm real excited about that opportunity. And... You know, it's it's hard right now on I was looking at one time of trying to look at writing a Broadway show and getting mounting that. But um, Broadway is so backed up with so many great properties just looking to get into the city that I'm seeing now an opportunity of of large production shows, but not on Broadway. You're looking for other venues for them uh, you know, around the, the country to to produce for. And then what I'm trying to do with my creative team is access the creative talent out of New York. Cause I, it, it doesn't get any better for live show production than the creative talent you have in New York and just using that. So kind of having a Broadway experience producing, uh, but looking uh, beyond, you know, the theater district of New York city. That sounds fabulous. No, everything got, has been upside down from the pandemic. And then some of the realignment wasn't just coming back. It's like, you know, having clogs in the arteries now where everyone's wanting to do things and the economics have changed so gigantically and people are wanting to put all the postponed shows and, and projects out. So it's an interesting time. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. So we are nearly at the end of our adventure here. What have we not talked about that you want to make sure we talk about? Well, I, I, I would just say this, uh, what we haven't really talked about, but is a, a key to uh, my focus and what I want to do is that I'm really trying to bring joy and entertainment to people. And what, as a producer, if I, as I mount a show, I will sit there, like I kind of usually get a seat on the side of the theater and just look at the audience and try to read the audience as much as I can. And that's my job is to bring them joy. And, or, you know, if I mentioned with singing in a choir is if I have a successful choral arrangement and the kids sound great, then all the parents think that's the greatest teacher and the kids feel positive about themselves and performing music. Uh, so ultimately that's my focus. That's what's most important to me is bringing joy and entertainment to 
as many people as I can. And hopefully that great arrangement also makes someone go, gosh, this was a great experience. Maybe I'd like to go into singing or music when I grow up. This has been a positive part of my life. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's what I, you know, that's like the subconscious or really what I'm working to do all the time. Bringing joy through all sorts of, I mean, you probably touch more people through your music than most other people in the music space. Uh, because so much of your work is getting licensed into schools and 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 out to people on a on a regular joyful basis, you know. And I spend a lot of time on YouTube, and because it's now uh, with Hal Leonard, my music is reaching around the world. And like a Christmas suite, which was more of a concert work that I had written, you know, I, I list, listened to a or looked at a, a broad uh, a production or being performed in South Africa, or in Japan, or Southeast Asia, or Germany. You know, it's just fascinating to uh, to see performances of your music in all parts of the world, you know. So um, it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing. Mark, if someone would, who would you like to reach out to you? And how would you like them to reach out? Um. Well, I think uh, probably the easiest way uh, on my website, uh, we mentioned just an email called info, I-N-F-O, at wowentertainment.net. That's W-O-W-entertainment.net. And that's the best way to reach out to me. All those come directly to my email. And, I mean, it could be somebody uh, who has a venue, who maybe wants to do a production. Uh, I have tremendous catalogs of shows that I could uh, you know, offer to them. And let's talk, let's get creative and see how we can work together. Uh, certainly performers or uh, people right now, like uh, I'm really looking at a lot of specialty acts and people that uh, trying to bring that into a musical theater setting. Uh, with story. And so, yeah, anybody who feels inclined, if you've heard this and you want to reach out to me, I'm more than happy uh, to get back with you. And uh, I, I will, you know, I'll, I read every email that comes to me. And that's the great way to reach me. Very cool. Mark, thank you very much for joining us. And I'm looking forward to, to somewhere in this Christmas season. We're doing this right now in December, 2023. Of, of hearing your music somewhere in, in all of these different adventures. Well, thank you so much, Gigi. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Creative Innovators. We are expanding our footprint. So we invite you to go to creativeinnovatorspodcast.com and find us on Substack, where we are creating a new matrix of our past shows that you can find them more easily and find them along with the career adventure guide content where you can take your own career and use some of the tools in the setup to both be inspired by past episodes of Creative Innovators as well as become a bigger and better creative innovator yourself. We're also launching in a couple of other platforms this year. So stay tuned and join our lists and, and find out where else you can find and combine with creative innovators in 2024. <music>